The date is Friday, June 3rd, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we're finally talking about a game that's been sweeping the internet by storm, Elden Ring. It's yet another hit created by From Software and is similar to the Dark Souls series of games in a lot of ways. What this game does differently is what has made it so successful. So enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. To entertain this. Entertain this. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Nick. And we are struggling without our showrunner, Chloe. Woo! This is fun. We miss you. We miss you. Uh, we hope that your show is going well. And when you come back, things will start not being bad anymore. <laughs> Um, but until then, it's allergy season, folks. Yeah, yes, it is. Anybody else suffering? I'm yeah. suffering. Very I'm hard. Suffering for once, and I'm not enjoying it. You are a little bit. You spend so much time in your little basement. I didn't think that any pollen could get to you. I go outside every so often. I don't mean to brag or anything, but uh... it is a brag nowadays. <laughs> um, now. Let's talk sneezing. I want to talk sneezing for a second. Yeah. We talk the, about it's sneezing. The sneezing season. It is the sneeze. Wow. Yeah, you're so right, Eminem. The season for sneezing. Wow. <laughs> did you just did you just walk across eight mile to get here, oh, yeah? Eminem? <laughs> is that what you did? Um, I sneeze aggressively. Me too. It's loud, and it's not so much anything coming out of my nose or out of my mouth. Sometimes my sneeze is like the pressure of being pushed in between my nose and my mouth. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so yeah. what happens? It's just like hits, right? And the worst part is I sneeze probably eight or nine times in a row. Mm-hmm. I'm a good, I'm a good three or four. Three or four. Wow. When it when the first one comes, you're like, oh, this is going to be all day. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, this run. is the rest of my day. It's like when, if you really know someone, they know how many to wait after to actually say God bless you. See, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so true. My sneezes have gotten to the point where once I'm finished with them, I know I'm done because I aggressively throw myself onto my bed and I lay there for three hours, a sobbing mess. <laughs> That's <But> rough. <laughs> let's talk about an even worse case of sneezing, and that's the sneezing while driving. Mm, Your eyes have yeah. to close for a minute, don't they? Have you expected or have you experienced the sneeze while driving? <laughs> it's so it's awful. It is awful. <laughs> now, mind you, I don't. My body doesn't care if I'm driving. It will still. It will still sneeze eight or nine times in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full eyes watering on the highway, going sixty-five, and my eyes are closed for a good oh, majority no. of it. My goodness, it is the most terrifying thing. I have ever experienced, and I bring it up because I experienced it today, and it was terrible. Oh, and you're so still anyway, here. That's your that's your cold open. Get it? A cold open. <laughs> well, it's more of an allergy open, but yeah, we'll, it's a hay fever, isn't that what it's called? We'll accept it. No, yeah. hay fever is something else, isn't it? Acceptable. We're not a medical podcast. <laughs> you want a medical podcast? You go listen to Sawbones. You're here for the good stuff, the good entertainment stuff, yeah. the the entertainment adjacent stuff, the yeah. stuff that we qualify as entertainment. But honestly, sometimes we color outside the lines. Yeah. That is what you're here for. And that's what we're going to bring you. Isn't that right, Michael? Yeah. Because it's your week. It is my it? week. Yeah, it is. And it we're going we're gonna to talk about something that I'm very excited for. Uh, because it is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. But I wanted to make sure that I gave myself enough time to really work through it and to make sure that i actually got to experience the full thing before we got a chance to like spoil it all for ourselves i know what we're talking about yeah i do too so is it finally time it's finally time it's finally time for us to get together have a little talk about potentially one of my favorite games of all time now wow elden ring bioshock boy okay all right (laughs) i knew it was gonna be elden ring i just knew it yeah i had the feeling down in my bones. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been wanting. I stayed up the night that it released until I think six in the morning playing the game. Um, <laughs> Goodness, 
<laughs> I mean, like I've I've talked about from software games a multitude of times now. Talked about Dark Souls one, uh, and talked about Bloodborne. Even though I'm not, I'm don't even know if we can qualify the Bloodborne episode as a Bloodborne episode. Yeah, it was. <laughs> we just went off the rails so hard. I learned a lot. I enjoyed it. <laughs> um. But yeah, so no, no surprise. Michael's coming to the table, coming to the podcast, the microphone uh, with another from software game, because gosh, dang it, I can't get enough of these. Um, so what are what are some of the things that y'all remember about what makes a from software game a from software game? Um, it's about the challenge. It's about the grind. It's about hurting your own feelings over and over again until you're so embarrassed you have to move to Portland. Yes. Yeah, that's not an intentional part. But yes, that is a big part of the game. <laughs> that's it. I know that there's a lot of like mythology and Cthulhu type of stuff in Bloodborne specifically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to echo what Alex said. Big old monsters and big old hats. Yeah, some of the the biggest things about these games is they have these big grand mythologies that you kind of discover as you're playing through the games. And that is kind of, it ends up being like very related to this inherent challenge that these games present. Um, The games, the purpose of these games aren't to be challenging, but it is more so to encourage the feeling that you get of over, of triumphing over big challenges. And just that huge boost in adrenaline and serotonin that we all just get filled with when we when we Who's do serotonin? it. Who's uh, serotonin? My sister. Oh, yeah, serotonin. <laughs> um, yeah. So Elden Ring, uh, we we Elden Ring is a new franchise that From Software has come out with. It's similar but not exclusively related to um dark souls which is the one that they've got like three of those that's not related to demon souls which came before dark souls or bloodborne uh, which came in between uh dark souls two and three so it's a brand new thing and what comes with a brand new thing with from software games is there are deep dives into the gameplay as well as the lore that's happening within the game. Mm. Um, and in this case, it, we probably get exposed to th- shit like right off the bat in the most from software way. And just like the first cutscene you see is just this slow, like picture show of a uh, very enthusiastic narrator, just yelling uh, names of people at us that we've just never heard of before. Is that um, how it really starts? <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> It starts with like the fallen leaves tell a story, <laughs> and Queen no, Merica. <laughs> it's like Queen Merica, <laughs> uh, okay, Queen Mer- the loathsome dung eater. <laughs> that's basically how all D and D campaigns start. So I really can't complain too yeah. much. <laughs> oh my god! And it's like one of the first things that you you encounter in these games is just the sheer meme ability. Uh, like even in this like opening cut scene, it's like, OK, you get introduced to uh, the loathsome dung eater, um, who is a character Ooh. that you come to meet during your gameplay, uh, as well as uh, how the narrator says it is Gideon Ofnir, the all knowing. And it's just like, all right, cool. Who? All right. OK. <laughs> yeah. It's- and, and this, our hero who has decided to name himself Ball Liquor. <laughs> exactly. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so throughout this entire game, you encounter tons and tons of things that just immediately stick out as like, oh, OK, I know exactly like this is going to take off on the Internet. And it kind of goes to lend credence to like this game sold. 13.4 million <laughs> copies. That's that's a lot of games. Mm. Um, and for a good month after this game came out, it was probably the number one thing that all of video game at like environment any video game space was probably talking about. Big time. Oh, yeah. Um, like you, you two don't even play these games, but I'm sure that you all have heard plenty <laughs> about it. I've heard too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's do like a quick little little dive into uh, wh- who you are in this story, because you're not you're not like a, uh, an undead. We kind of are, but you're not uh, you're not like a hunter like in Bloodborne. No, you are called what's referred to as a tarnished. Mm. Um, so one of the one of the first thing, I guess, before even that, like one of the biggest things about this game in it being called Elden Ring is that it's 
kind of referring to a like both metaphysical and physical ring. It's more of like these runes that form a ring, um, but it creates this connection to like gold um, and the because the, it's the, the Elden Ring refers to what's called the Golden Order, which is essentially the laws and bylaws that this world operates on. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like just the order before, but um, the queen who is like kind of the vassal for the Golden Order, which is kind of like a Cthulhu esque outer god. Uh, I know I'm throwing a lot at you real fast. <laughs> no, I, I heard Cthulhu and I got scared. So please continue. Yeah, so she is kind of like a vassal for basically this Cthulhu-like being that all we see that it wants to do is enact good upon this world. Mm. Um, It wants basically these rules and all these things in effect that the world operates on. Well, Queen Merica, who's the vassal for it, she basically uh, plucked the rune of death from this order, basically meaning that no one can truly die. So essentially you die, you return to what's called the Erd tree, which is like Yggdrasil in Norse mythology, like the world tree where everything kind of spawns from. Um, and you return to the, the Erd tree's roots and then your soul is then born anew. Um, so you can't hmm. truly die. Uh, and it's because she plucked the rune of death from this that it's now called the Golden Order, which creates a lot of signifiers of trying go- this idea of gold to this world. And that's where we get the idea of you being this undead person who is called a tarnished. We know what tarnishing is, right? I don't, think, basically, I don't believe tarnishing happens with gold, but go on. I don't know. Does it? I know it happens gold. with silver. Tarnish. Gold tarnishes, dog. A little bit? Yeah. Gold does tarnish and scratch over time. Oh, okay. uh, here's, ba- here's the hot and spicy is there's no way that we're going to be the line of defense against that fact check. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that fact check would have happened far before it reached this podcast well, if that were not true. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so the, the whole idea of tarnishing is basically that like some uh, some material just loses its luster. It, ox- gets, it oxidizes right. is what happens. And you can like de- you can like detarnish something. You can like clean all that oxidation off. Um, but it is just this idea that something is no longer at the same quality that it used to be at. Uh, and that's where you as a player, you referred to as a tarnished. You are someone who once had this uh, value of gold, but now you have lost it and you've come to what's called the lands between, which is just the world where this, op- this whole game operates to try and reclaim your uh, reclaim your purpose, which is to become the Elden Lord. Elden Lord is basically just a person who performs the actions on behalf of the vassal of the golden order. Mm. Um, Essentially, the whole idea is that Queen Merica, after she um, basically one of her uh, one of her uh, one of her children uh, was killed. They found a way to like properly kill him. And in retaliation to that, she lost her faith in the Golden Order. So she broke it. She broke it. And uh, ever since then, she's been imprisoned and these different uh, runes that made up the golden order have now been shattered and split between all of her children and all of these people that are vying for power within the lands between. Mm. And so it's your job as a tarnished to come back, defeat these uh, deific people uh, within this world, reclaim these runes. So that way you can reforge the Elden ring and restore order to the world. So is the Golden Order a group of people or is this the group of people that comprise the ring? So the Golden Order is the ring, uh, these runes that uh, were shattered and split among. So it's more of it's more of like a metaphysical concept uh, that is like a representation of the rules and laws that exist within the world. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So like you, your whole, your whole goal is to go defeat the shard bears, shards of the Elden Ring, defeat them, restore the Elden Ring and restore order within the lands between. Mm -hmm. So here's my question for you. Yeah. Are you a little summoning bitch or (laughs) do you fight these MFers by your lonesome like a true hero? I always play my first playthrough without summoning anyone. 
Had a boy. Yeah. I it's just like I don't know if it's because I discovered Dark Souls like too late in the game to really like get the whole experience of summoning other people to play with me, but like I feel like I don't get the actual sense of like true satisfaction with beating a boss unless I do it on my own. And to kind of so, like to illustrate this uh, in every Dark Souls game, you are uh, in every every one of these from software games, you're essentially put up some against something that is supposed to kill you so that you can learn from it. Mm. My my patient ass. Um, essentially, this happens at the beginning of Elden Ring and you're immediately sent to like another place and you can't refight it. Me, on the other hand, I spent four hours the first night that this game came out deleting my character, restarting so that I could fight that same boss over again, over and over and over again. So that way I could eventually beat it. <laughs> did you beat it? Yeah, I did. I learned how Atta to boy. parry it. <laughs> boy. Yeah, I learned that uh, one of the classes that you could start off with, it, who's called a prisoner, starts with a shield that has a bigger like parrying window. And mm -hmm. so it's like it has more frames where it's like if you catch an attack in that window, it'll parry the attack and leave the boss open for a big like critical. I learned that it has more of those. So I was like, cool, I'm just going to go in with you and just counter the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> I mean, you still learned what the developers wanted you to learn. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, like I, for me, it's if you if are not, you didn't walk away from that experience with ease for the rest of the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, you if you already know uh, these games and how they operate, you kind of come into it like with be able to have that mentality of like, all right, this isn't going to be this. Me losing to this thing is not a punishment. This is supposed to be a learning experience. And I just need to have patience with that learning experience so I can let it all set in and actually overcome it. It like Cuphead. Yeah, it's a lot like Cuphead. Um hmm. So let me ask you this. This is just a question that came to my mind, but yeah. would you recommend this game be the first kind of Dark Series, Dark Souls series game that I play? Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. I think this is now the best entry within all of these games, no matter what spectrum you are at within your like enjoyment of the series. Um, mostly because uh, this game introduces a lot of different mechanisms and mechanics in the game to make the game easier mm -hmm. um and i mean like one of the biggest gripes that people have about these games is that there's no difficulty slider it's like it all is given an exact like difficulty that you have to overcome well i would say that elden ring is probably one of the first of these games that in a very fleshed out way offers a mechanically driven difficulty slider uh and what i mean by that is that one of the first things that you get in this game is you get the ability to summon just creatures uh, to come fight alongside of you. Okay. And it does. That's that, why I was asking if you were a summoning bitch or yeah, not. Yeah, you, oh, you so get that's a, what that means. All right. All yeah, right. you get a summoning bell that allows you to summon like wolves or skeletons. <laughs> a dinner or, bell. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Ringy dingy, help. Ringy dingy. <laughs> um, and the, the big thing with it is, is that if you, if you summon these creatures, usually they have a pretty good health pool. Usually they could do pretty good damage. The biggest thing, though, is they take the boss's attention off of you, mm. which gives you opportunities to attack safely, which is what these games are all about. Nice. Um, and it allows you to do that in like structured bosses where it's like you walk into like these like dedicated arenas to fight bosses or there's bosses that you encounter in the open world that you can also summon things uh, there with. <laughs> Those um, are the ones that scare me. You're just making yeah. your way across. You're like, you don't expect anything. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, a mini boss. <laughs> oh, my God. Elden Ring has so many of those like, oh shit moments where it's like, what the fuck did I just stumble into? Like as a good example in the first area uh, called Limgrave, you, um, you, there, there's a lake called uh, Lake Agil that if you're just like, are making your way through the lake and you come across this small little Island where there's a bunch of these like really scrawny undead guys, uh, like worshiping the sky They've got like some like pyres and shit. You just like walk up to it and all of a sudden like you hear out of the corner of your headphones just like quick little like you're just like excuse me? You see a giant fucking dragon dive in, oh, no. kill every knock everything over and kill all of the undead that were seemingly worshipping it. And then it's like okay cool now you have to fight this thing. Good luck. <laughs> just what I wanted. 
Yeah, it's like that. Um, it does a lot of one of the things that I think this game actually does the best, um, especially for an open world game. And where this is where I think like the difficulty becomes a really important part of the game's inherent design outside of even the aspects we've talked about in the past with Bloodborne and Dark Souls is that through its difficulty, it heavily encourages exploration. Mm. Um, like essentially like your first boss that you probably run into that's not like a tutorial boss um, is a tree sentinel, which is basically you walk out of the tutorial area, you see a big wide like landscape and you see a giant knight on a gold horse just kind of walking up and down this path. And so like as a as one as a Dark Souls player, you're just kind of like, oh, OK, I have to fight that thing. If I don't learn how to fight that thing, I'm not going to get good at this game. That's your first and thought. So you like, just, I'm going to fight him. You're not going to go. Yeah. Is that so the you, one that kept killing you? This was the second one that kept killing me. <laughs> oh, so so you worked for four hours to get past the first one, and then this is now the second one. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Holy cow. So it's like you make your way down, and you just start fighting him. It's like, okay, this guy's on a horse on horseback, so he can move all over extremely quickly, mm-hmm. has very small openings, and you hit him like once for the first time, does like 15 damage, and he has like hundreds and hundreds of health uh, no. that you have to get through. And it's just like, okay, hi, uh, I'm not supposed to be here, I guess. <laughs> and it's like, it's through this difficulty that you learn. It's like, okay, this game really does truly give you the freedom to experience its different challenges whenever you are ready for it. Yes. Um, as kind of like, so a, it is open world this time. It is completely open world, uh, which is one of the biggest, newest factors about these games. Um, and that, that also kind of lends into the whole like inherent difficulty slider is that you can go and explore almost every single part of this world and get all of the upgrade materials, get all of the like runes to level up. You can go farm. You can go do all of this stuff to make it so that you're like big and buffed up much further than you ever should be by the time you fight the first like main boss. Um, And it's like it it's really brilliant because there's especially in the first area in Limgrave. And like even further south, the Weeping Peninsula, all these places before you have to actually fight the first boss, there's stuff everywhere. Like you turn around a corner and there's like a new catacomb to explore. There is an enemy encampment with items in it. And there's just like giants that are up on it, like seven giants up on a hill that you can either fight and earn a ton of runes by fighting each one. But then there's also like a little glowing statue in the middle of all seven of them. So it's like if you lure one of the giants over to attack the statue, all of a sudden you get like eight upgrade materials and which is going to make things a a lot easier for you. Nice. Um, And it's just like there's a ton of stuff just happening all around you that really is just so satisfying as especially as a person who likes that 100 percent complete stuff where it's like (laughs) I feel like no matter what I'm record, I'm, I'm being rewarded for taking just like one step more. For just turning around a corner and just I get I get rewarded with a whole new experience. I get rewarded with something that I'm going to remember throughout my entire playthrough. Um, and there's so the game does, is just filled with that. How does this game compare to like say Breath of the Wild, which is another game that's open world and very at your own per, at your own pace with bosses just kind of spread out throughout the land and different challenges to accept and different places to explore. Do they have kind of the same vibe? Yeah, it's very much the same vibe and it borrows a lot from the stuff that I think makes Breath of the Wild a very good game. Um like in Breath of the Wild, you can go and fight Ganon like at level at like right when the game starts. Mm-hmm. It's going to be difficult as shit, but you can do it and you can win. Um, the very same thing applies to Elden Ring. It's going to take you a lot longer <laughs> to get to this game's Ganondorf, uh, but you can do it if you really want to. <laughs> um, and at at the core of it, like the thing that makes Breath of the Wild great to me is that there's you can see something across the entire map. And you can go to it and you'll be rewarded for doing that. Elden Ring has the exact same experience where you can look across, you can get like up high on something, look across like the map, see something that seems interesting and you can go, you can ride your horse goat thing over to (laughs) it. Uh, Yeah, you have a host like a spiritual horse goat thing called um, Torrent 
that uh, you can summon okay. whenever you want to get you from place to place. Torrent, like the pirating uh, website that I never used ever before? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what is this game's vibe? Because now I'm picturing like a darker, more um, like medieval ruins? Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Lord of the Rings kind of Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's very similar to like a Lord of the Rings situation where it's like in it. The vibe of the game differs very much depending on where you're at within the game. Dope. That Good. is the correct answer. Yeah. So like either so there are moments where you're like in the Shire and you're like, right, exactly. In like a happier kind of greener place. And then there are times you travel to like this disgusting dark lava yeah like. yeah yeah exactly like the first place that you go to is called Limgrave. that's like where everything kind of opens up to and it is the like everything is bright there's like lots of trees there's like some rundown churches um but like everything is like vibrant and like the landscape is healthy you can go from there you can go to um one of the biggest nightmare fuel places is this place called Kalid, which you can just walk into at level one. Uh, you can't just and, walk into Kalid. Yeah, it's you can walk <laughs> into Kalid. Simply- <laughs> <laughs> you can walk into Kalid, and it is this rot-infested red landscape of all dead trees and mutated nope. creatures. Like one of the first things you see when you come into Kalid is a giant bird-like creature with a bird's head, with like a mutated large enlarged almost plucked chicken body oh, uh, no. on top of it and you it's to, like you, you have to fight it eventually you can if it yeah. moves you fight it in this game right you you if can it moves, you can pretty much fight, fight anything it. that moves in this game yeah as like as, as a self challenge of what i did every and this is part of the reason why it took me so long <laughs> to beat the game is because for me it's like if i see something that can be fought i am fighting it and i'm going to have the patience to beat it um, <laughs> right. Are there save states? Like, if you die, do you have to start over? Uh, you so essentially, um, just like how you there are bonfires and dark souls, and there are like uh, lamps in Bloodborne. In this game, there are sites of grace. Uh, okay. So, kind of <laughs> walking name. things back a little bit. Um, the whole idea of you being tarnished and you kind of being this undead thing, you have been brought back to life because of this. Uh, aspect of the uh the golden order um called grace and just this idea of like grace has re-entered your eyes and you can see grace essentially this metaphysical force that can point you in the direction to your goals and it's whatever grace has deemed is your goal for you in your case you grace has deemed for you to be a candidate to become an elden lord um and so Throughout this, essentially, you get new pointers to where you're supposed to go by resting at different sites of grace, essentially your checkpoints. Got it. So okay. it's like you can go and you can fight something. If you die, you're going to lose your runes, which is like the same thing as souls or blood echoes. Um, and they're going to stay at the spot where you died and you're going to be resurrected at the last visited site of grace. Okay. Well, and that's neat and feels more of an explanation than your traditional checkpoints. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the, one of the cool things that I think this game does a really good job of is like in these older games, you'd spawn at these bond. Like if you die to a boss that there's like a big run up to, um, you'd have to run. You'd spawn back at your bonfire and you'd have to run through everything again. And something could very easily kill you on the way there. And it's that. like, oh, I, I lost my souls. Hate now it. I'm like. I'm pun- Minecraft. Yeah. It's, it. what, what, the, what this game does is um, right before most of the bosses, it places what's called a stake of America and which is basically like a quick spawn. America. Point. Yeah. It's basically just like a quick spawn point. So it's like if you die, you're going to spawn right outside the boss arena. So you can just go again, <laughs> which is something that just feels for so players. <laughs> yeah. If you will. <laughs> so. Let's do a story time because yeah. I want to I want to understand the story of this game and what is driving you to fight these creatures. Yeah. Other than just being in the meta of I want to fight them because it's a challenge that I want to complete. Right. Yes. There has to be lore. Surely there there has to be lore. Yeah. 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 So we kind of like been drip feeding it throughout this. But um, so the, I want the whole cup. Yeah. OK. I so pour it on. Let's me. start from the beginning. So. You have Queen Merica, 
She is the the first goddess throughout this Erica. entire. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. And so to kind of go back even further, so this story was helped being th- this world was helped developed by George R. R. Martin, the guy behind Game oh, of Thrones. Oh, um, this is what which he's is, been doing. <laughs> yeah, which is fantastic because it's like this is probably one of the most well developed lores uh, in all of these games. However, that man loves turtles. He loves them. I'll tell you that. Um, one of the things that <laughs> wow. I really resent about him, though is he has this quirk that he likes to do when he names characters. He likes to make uh, characters who are related have similar names. Okay. What this lends to... So like Merica and Erica. Well, it'd be like Merica, (laughs) Melina, um, uh, Marina. um, I don't remember if that's an actual name, but it's like... If you had a chance to change your fate... (laughs) Would you? <laughs> that's Merid. That's Merida. Yeah. So your your um your maiden uh, in this. So basically, you have to have a maiden who helps level you up until you have a maiden. That's like your your big draw. In a as, minute, I'm gonna need a <laughs> maiden, maiden to help me level up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um. So the thing that makes you like a unique tarnished in this world, outside of the fact that you're trying to become an Elden Lord. Is that you are maidenless? Uh, you have no maidenless. <laughs> yeah, and that that in and of itself became a huge meme. Where it's just yeah, like you can't get, you can't no maidenless. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's the first thing that you're the first NPC that you're introduced to. Basically, it's just like you come I'm up, so you're like, sorry. "Hi, hi, nice to meet you. Who are you?" It's like, "Oh, my name is Vare. You're a tarnished, right?" Oh. But you have no maidens. Oh. <laughs> you got no bitches. <laughs> you got. You are maidenless. Yeah, it's like you, that, you have no maidens. That mega mind, like no bitches meme. It's like <laughs> very much applies. Does your character uh, wear a fedora and like have a neck beard? Just you can, you can make it that way. Sire, it would seem you are maidenless. Yeah, but I can tip my fedora pretty well. <laughs> And so thou lance sees no penetration for thou art maidenless. <laughs> the poor guy. Idiot. Poor oh guy. my god. Yeah, I mean just imagine just this is the this is everything that was going on in the community in the first month. <laughs> oh of my this game. god, that's incredible. Um, that so well and then like you're telling me that even in this game I got to be maidenless. <laughs> Forever. Well, alone. the other thing too is like uh whenever you walk up to the sites of grace that I mentioned earlier, uh it doesn't say like sit at the site of grace or like sit at checkpoint. It says touch grace, which for oh. the first 20 minutes every time that you see that i guarantee you're going to uh misread that as touch grass touch grass yeah so it's like <laughs> so it's like every time that you're walking up to something it's like the game is telling you just go outside just go outside and go touch, outside. Grass. touch grass go touch some grass go get a maiden this sucks <laughs> exactly. that's the thing is like it really shows like oh dark souls players just love to be like degraded it's like and the game <laughs> yeah. itself is just like ah you fucking nerd get outside pretty much you got no bitches and you <laughs> right. never go outside so um to kind of roll things back to the story um you uh you meet through uh resting at the sites of grace uh this girl named uh melina um and she is the one who she's like oh like she again reiterates it to your face. Oh, you're maidenless, uh, which means you can't get any stronger. Damn but I can straight. play the part of a maiden. I can do this for you. And so she does. Oh, bad? Yeah. So she does. Um, <laughs> she's she's very, like, but I she only does maiden. it because Torrent, <laughs> the horse goat, chose you. So she's like, I'm trusting Torrent, who is this spiritual creature. Um, in his judgment of you, and so I'll help you too. And now I'm your maiden. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you are uh, this guy, and you... Um, there's a few different things that you can... I don't know, where do I want to start this as like a full-on lore thing? Um, for anyone that, that wants like a very comprehensive like overall look at the lore, I highly recommend a guy named Vati Vidya. V-A-A-T-I-V-I-D-Y-A. Um, on YouTube, he has tons and tons of fantastic lore ep- lore videos for Dark Souls, Blood, any from software game. Uh, he's got great lore videos, but his Elden Ring ones are fantastic. Um, 
highly recommend it. And is but, this is this similar to the other From Software games where you have to kind of discover the lore? It's not just spoon fed to you. Yeah, this one I will say probably does spoon feed it a little bit more than any of the others. Okay, uh, or at the very least makes it a lot easier to infer what's going on. But um, you, you, you. I feel you. You learn. I feel you, game developers. Yeah, <laughs> I think part of it is that like this is the first time they've had such a well developed lore to really play with that wasn't mm. something that they created. So I think for a lot of it, they really want to just be like, look at all of this great stuff that's here that like we're just going to like tell you for the first time. It's like, oh, this is a nice change of pace. Um, As a DM for Project Icosa, there's definitely some stuff that you're like, I'm just going to bake this in. Right. And then you get about three <laughs> minutes in. You're like, actually, I'm just going to pull this out. Right. <laughs> and I'm just going to. Guys, look. Here's the shit. Look at this thing I made. <laughs> look at it. I work hard. Good. <laughs> Um, this, it's definitely one of the more easier to, I don't know, it's not easy to digest, but they help you with a lot more. Um, so basically you have Queen Merica. She has become this vassal for the, the golden order. Um, and she wants to conquer the lands between, uh, she does so by partnering with a dude named Horalu, uh, warrior of the badlands. Um, but he's too—he's hey, basically name. like a big barbarian dude who's just like I'm gonna rip everyone to shit. Um, and she's like, okay, that's great for being like my military commander. I need you to be a little bit more of a elegant, respectful person so that you can be my husband and become the first Elden Lord. So she gifts him like this, what's called like the the Lion of Sirash, uh, which is she gives him a lion. Like graphs. Hey, I know you like killing people and being all manly and tearing people to shreds and stuff. Yeah. But you got to chill out. So, so I'm going to give you a lion. Yeah, exactly. And okay. the lion calms him down. So then he can actually behave as a normal person. Yeah. And they go through and they conquer the lands between. And it is the basically they go through it and they conquer it pretty easily. The only people that give them like any sort of trouble is the carrion royal family which is basically like the mages um like they instead of worshiping the stars which is what the elden ring basically is like a physical manifestation of um they worship like the moon um and like oh. the coal of space they they, they worship a bunch that. of witches yeah so they're like a bunch of witches and they use what's called glintstone sorceries which is basically like comets like they get their idea of magic from comets and shit like that. Interesting. Um, the main reason why they put up such a fight is because of um, this queen, the queen of the Carrion royal family called Renala. Um, she is the queen of the Carrion royal family, but she also is the head of the uh, Academy of Raya Lucaria, which is this like subsection of area kind of similar to like Limgrave, the Weeping Peninsula, Kalid, these other places we've talked about. Um, and what ends up happening is Merica, the queen, sends uh, this other guy named Radagon, uh, who is like Radagon of the red hair, um, <laughs> to go and fight against her. And it's through battle that these two people um, end up falling in love. Uh, and it's through not battle, but through this conjoining of the families uh, that they end up conquering Raya Lucaria. Um and they have a multitude of children. Uh, they have, oh gosh, which what are the names of them? Um, there's Ronnie the witch. There is. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sensing blanking. a theme here. Are they all R names? Yeah, they're all R names because cool. George R. R. Martin's a bitch, um, <laughs> and he likes to make shit more confusing than it needs to be. Um, he said, "In my family, there was George and Georgina." <laughs> And yeah. Gregory and um, another G name. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, my sister's name also starts with an A, so I'm I'm right there with it's them. a family thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so they they have a bunch of children, and um, one of them, uh, Ronnie, the one I was mentioning before, the witch, she is uh, what's called an Empyrean. Essentially, an Empyrean means is one who's capable of becoming the host or the vassal of the Elden Ring, someone who's able to basically take over America's job. Um, and the big thing with that is, is that like once that happens, basically your destiny is then tied to the Elden Ring 
And it's hmm. through the um, mediators of the Elden Ring. So not the vassal, but the mediators who are giant fuck off uh, rotting fingers. Um, yeah. So like, oh, the, the okay. Whole, okay. The ring goes on the finger. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's they're called the two fingers um, because it's just two of them. And the rest of the, like their hand is just gone. It's just this straight down. Um, <laughs> they uh, they're able to attune to the uh to the golden order and listen to its will um by attuning to it um wow. and so they they become the interpreters of grace who then have to enforce the will of the, the golden order upon the empyreans um and ronnie is basically like i don't want to fucking do that uh and so she rebels um and she is the only empyrean to rebel so she comes up with this plan that involves stealing the rune of death now when earlier we talked about what a great idea yeah so earlier when we talked about how america plucked the rune of death from the golden order she gave it to um her companion uh called malekith uh who is essentially like every empyrean gets what's called like a shadow which is in this game it's represented through like a wolf like person malekith is her shadow basically they are their protector they make sure nothing bad happens to them um they're also there to make sure that they don't stray off of their grace like off of what the golden order envisions for them so if they rebel too much then their shadow's job is to then kill them um <laughs> your shadow so, kills you yeah okay uh, <laughs> so merica entrusted malekith her shadow to hold on and keep safe the rune of death well, Ronnie figured out a way to steal that, to steal a, a part of the rune of death. And what she did was is she used um, she used she uh, basically infused the rune of death into two knives. And she um, basically had uh, America's son, Godwin the Golden, um, <laughs> who uh, these names she had me. him. <laughs> So he's the guy that we talked about earlier that caused her to want to break the Elden Ring. That was right. her first son that was killed. Um, and it, she had him killed at the exact same time as she was killed. And what they ended up being able to do was have his um, Godwin's spirit killed, but then have Ronnie's body killed. Uh, and so what this meant was that you have Godwin's body that is still alive, but lacks a soul. Um, and then you have Ronnie, who soul then was moved into a puppet. Uh, and she's the one who at the very beginning of the game gives you that spirit summoning bell that lets you summon and make things easier for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and this and that's kind of like the catalyst for all of the events of America. She breaks the Elden Ring, which means that she's then becomes imprisoned, um, imprisoned in everything uh, and that she can no longer be like the, what she was meant to be. But one of the other things that happens slightly before this, though, is that Radagon and Renala, after they have their kids, Radagon um, just dips. He just leaves Renala. Um, he's just like without saying a word, which <laughs> devastates Renala. Um, like she basically is like curled up in her tower and is just like refusing to leave because she's too heartbroken. Damn. Um, and so you find out that Radagon actually left. Um, to go take over because America expelled uh, Horalu, who was later named as um, Godfrey. Uh, once he took on the Beast of Sirash, um, he took on a whole new name to that was more uh, reflective of his more nobleistic nature. Now, um, I feel like Pepe Sovia right now. Exactly, exactly. Like There's when a I was lot of characters so, here. Yeah. Yes, uh, which is why the fact that I'm doing this with zero notes is i'm very proud of myself <laughs> pat on the back for michael um but also bad michael right notes well but it's also like i have put in over 300 hours into this game at this point and so it's all mm -hmm. just, expert yes it's all just fucking up here now <laughs> um well, so where do you come in you so we'll, we'll hold on one second so Basically, America banished Godfrey because his job was over. The lands between were taken over. So then Radagon leaves Renala and goes and becomes the new Elden Lord to take over from his job because they no longer needed that like heavy military might. 
Um, it's kind of along with that is they banished uh, Godfrey along with all of his warriors who are known as the tarnished. They were driven by grace before America steals the, the grace from their eyes and then pushes them out to no longer inhabit the lands between. And you, the lands between is basically being like drip fed as these tarnished as time goes on, uh, as they get reintroduced to grace, they refine their grace, uh, which is basically their driving force. Um, and that's where you come in. You are a tarnished uh, and you want to do what your grace is telling you and become an Elden Lord uh, to take over for Radigan, who wasn't able to keep America from destroying the Elden Ring. Uh, and yeah, so then you go through, you fight, a, you basically fight all of America's kids to <laughs> take their runes. Yeah. Time out. Are you the only tarnished? No. Then? There's a bunch. So there are other tarnishes who are also trying to do the same thing, well, right? So every tarnished, for the most part, has a different uh, goal. The general one is for them to become Elden Lords, but the problem that you run into is that a lot of these other tarnished have been in the land betweens for much longer than you. And over time, if you're unable to uh, meet your goal, you eventually lose sight of grace. You you re-lose your grace. So you lose your way. Um, okay. And then it becomes your job to figure out like what you want to do now. Like you basically regain your own like self um, hmm. and self self purpose. Uh, there's only one other tarnished, I believe, that you meet in the game. Uh, the one that was like Gideon off near the all knowing uh, that guy. Um, <laughs> you meet him and he's the only other one that still can see grace and who is still pursuing his goal of becoming an, the Elden Lord. Hmm. Um, Would, there's only one Elden Lord, right? Yes. So and you every so you and him are competing for the Elden Lord essentially, position. but he runs what's called like your base area in this is called the round table hold, um, which mm -hmm. is kind of this like extra dimensional space where these different tarnished can come. And that's where they like basically come together as a group to like to try and like pursue whatever their goal is. Um, he he's he runs the round table hold. And so okay. he sees it as like his purpose is to help you by gather. He, he he thinks that like the best way for him to pursue becoming an Elden Lord is to learn everything he can. Gideon mm -hmm. Ophnir, the all knowing. Um, so he spends his entire day sitting in the round table hole, just reading books. Uh, <laughs> and so he decides that like, oh, it'd be beneficial to you and me if like I can, I can just give you all this information to help you out and you can go and like kill these lords and make things easier for both of us. Um, so he basically that? like rides your coattails throughout this whole thing. Um, good guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he, he tries you, you end up, you end, end up learning. How much do you want me to spoil shit? Are you two ever going to uh, play this it's, game? It's your episode. I know for a fact he screws you over because okay. there's no way he doesn't. Yeah. He, Spoiler. uh, you find out that like this guy <laughs> who is supposed to be helping you throughout all of this, he was just kind of taking advantage of the situation and he ends up like learning like, Oh, Queen Merica doesn't actually want us to become Elden Lords. She thinks that like the whole purpose of like she wants she basically wants all of us to uh, grow and become stronger through suffering. And we can only suffer if there's no if there's no Elden Lord to reforge the Golden Order. And so it gets to a certain point where he he's like the the evil villain of this whole game. Um and like Wheatley. Yeah. And so you get to the end where it's like he's just kind of standing in a room, like taunting you and giving like his villain monologue. Um, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. And minus 10 points to this game. That sucks. But <laughs> what you can monologue. do, though, is you can go up and interrupt him at any point and just knock the shit out of him. Nice. Plus 10 points yeah. to this game. That rules. <laughs> One of my favorite things that people have done is there is a spell in this game. So like there's this whole concept of madness, which is like just a subsection of faith in this game it's like you you get touched by the flame of frenzy and so when you stare into the flame of frenzy it causes you to go mad um mm -hmm. you can use spells derived from the flame of frenzy and one of those is one of my favorite ones in the game where it's essentially you just grab like another player's head you bring them close and you just emit the fire of frenzy from your eyes and drive them insane holy shit <laughs> and so one of my favorite things to do is when gideon off is just kind of sitting there like 
monologuing at you. You could just walk up to him, grab him by the head, and just like scream into his eyes and just like he cause him to go mad. <laughs> awesome. Just like Holy you can ba- if your stats are like aligned in the right way, you can basically kill him like by just by doing that. <laughs> Incredible. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Um but yeah, so uh let's see here. Yeah, you your job is just to kind of go around and eventually become the Elden Lord. Um you pursue uh these different great runes there's lots of awesome side quests which help develop the lore of this world um one of my favorites is with ronnie um you that the this the witch the one who gives you the summoning bells and who like had basically her cousin killed yep um, she's a puppy she's actually pretty damn cool and her whole side quest is basically like you trying to help her um overcome her destiny as an empyrean and you work together with her shadow because she's an Empyrean. She gets a shadow really awesome, like half wolf dude named Blythe, um, <laughs> who you get to meet in like the first like 15 minutes of the game. Really good guy. Um, uh, and along with her giant like war counselor, EG, um, and her other guy who will not be mentioned. He's, he's a dickhole. Um, but you essentially like go around and you help her accomplish her goal. Her goal is where she wants to um, figure out how to completely sever her ties to grace, to the Elden Ring. And in order to do that, she has to kill her two fingers. Her two fingers are still out there. Um, and so you go through the super obtuse side quests that requires you to like make a bunch of lo- leaps in logic to just figure out what's going on. Like at one point, like, she transfers her soul to a tiny doll, a tiny version. <laughs> and at one point you have to sit at uh, sit at a site of grace. And it's like all of a sudden you get an option to talk to the doll. And you have to sit there and you have to talk to the doll three times for it to progress this, this, the sub quest. It's like and eventually she's just like, you're fucking weird. Why the fuck do you want to talk to a doll so much? <laughs> Anyways, I guess if we're if you're going to try and talk to me. Yeah, it's me. You figured it out. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess just help me out, I guess. Like, You're help me do this shit. That out. That's the weird part. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, what do you call them? Shrines? Or yeah, it's like a like very shri- difficult puzzle. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> it's very the similar really to that. The funny thing is somebody had to figure that out yeah. first oh, for yeah. everybody else to know. Because that's not just something you just figure out. Well, no. standard practice in these games is to, whenever you meet an NPC, is you completely go through all of their dialogue. So it's like you you, like, yeah, you like want to get to the end where all they're doing is repeating the same shit over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is like one of those times where it's like if you're a perceptive player, you can notice like very small differences in the silence that like proceeds trying to talk to her. So it's like something changed, which means we're not we haven't exhausted the dialogue for this. (laughs) So then it's like you have to be able to pick up on that little shit. Um, There's tons and tons in this game, though, that like. I do not blame anybody for missing out on the first time through. Um, But I wouldn't let that like discourage you from even trying to play through the game. There's so much that you can discover. There's so many sides. Would you play it on? You play it on PC? Yeah, I played it on PC. So my first playthrough, (laughs) I played through like just on my own time uh, and without like any guides or anything. And then the second one, I did it uh, with a 100% guide that I found on YouTube, um, which helped me come across a lot of the crazy shit that I ended up missing out on, which is like on one hand, I find really cool that there is that real sense of like discovery that you can drastically change your experience with the game based off of just what you end up figuring out. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you can miss a lot of really cool shit that are like really important, uh, like sequences in the game that, for me help make it as good of a game as it actually is. Um, like when I, when I left uh, the game for the first time, like after the first playthrough, I was like, yeah, that was really good. That was really, really good. And I loved it. How does it stack up against the other ones? I think I still like bloodborne the best. Like, I think I, I it still isn't added up, but then I played through it again with a hundred percent guide and saw everything I missed out on learned all these new stories and these new subplots within the, the game. I was like, Oh, I get it. Like th- this is the best game. This is potentially the best game I've ever played. Um, and there's just like, 
like there there's like four secret endings that like you can just figure out like by going down random uh paths there's like four uh, secret endings yeah it's like you you get basically the ability to recreate the golden order you can um leave it shattered um or you can complete ronnie's quest line which basically her quest line is replacing the golden order with like the order of the moon and the, the space um and because that is in and of its own its own entity um <laughs> yeah uh or you can um you can do what else you can go through the quest line of another one, which ties into the whole, like what happened to the body of Godwin, the golden, if that's still alive, but it lacks a spirit, like what happened? And basically you can go through that whole quest line and you can replace the golden order with the rune, the true rune of death, um, which then basically like you then create a world of death. Um, you can replace it with, what's called like the curse rotted uh the curse rotted rune or something uh which is essentially like that the dung eater you go through his quest line uh and turns out he's like one of the most vile like name name hints at it but he's obviously one of the most mu- he vile pieces yeah he eats poop dung um, eater there it is he's called a dung eater yeah so he his his poop. whole mo is that he doesn't just kill people he eats defiles their, their corpse to oh. its lowest point and create By eating their poop so there's like some japanese mythology <laughs> on their here corpse? i don't know there, there's some japanese <laughs> mythology here in that um they at one point believed that a portion of what housed your soul existed like far up your butt um weird place yeah and so weird place for it to the be the whole idea weird, was that if like weird place i don't understand it yeah oh, that's, i don't, that's I don't like get it either. similar to the root chakra right yeah, so talk about the chakras being out of whack and yeah, it's a similar idea. But so there's lots of like uh-huh. indication of that and it's that like, like he thing, basically I like I don't I don't know exactly what he does, but it basically is like he defiles corpses of these people to the point where it develops this curse inside of them that prevents them from being able to return to the Erd tree, which then gets them into this place that's stuck between life and death that is just this like life just filled with curse where it's like the the whole idea is that he basically takes these curses that he or that he develops inside of them takes the, these people's souls which he finds up the butt and then he takes and he eats it um hence why he's called the dung eater and he basically like keeps the th- these people's souls that he killed inside of his own body preventing them from ever being able to truly uh, die okay i don't want to i don't want to poo poo on japanese mythology nice. But I just want to leave it at there's really only one way they could have convinced themselves their soul was up there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Because that is a male pleasure spot, is all I'm saying. <laughs> that is pretty much the only reason they would have convinced themselves of that. I'd, I'd believe it. I would absolutely hmm. believe it. Um, Interesting. But yeah, and... So not to not I don't want to end it on that, but <laughs> no, put a bow yeah. on this baby. So, not to end it on poop and <laughs> stuff like, like that. Like it'd be the first time, <laughs> right? So this game uh, is probably the the it 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 is from Software's masterpiece. It is their uh, ultimate vision come to fruition. Uh, it is everything that they've ever wanted to. Uh, make out of these games it is the best rendition of it It is completed from front to back everything in between is just so well executed and for people who don't even like these games typically i still recommend at least trying it out trying to play it for at least two to three hours because there's so much this game does to um, really just help you get engrossed not only into the way you play the game but into the atmosphere within the game um and it really just helps you appreciate everything that's going on and really just anybody who wants to even try this out, just try and really embrace the whole ideology of perseverance. Death in these games is not a punishment. It is a lesson learned. Whether you come out and you fight and you lose again even faster, you you still are just learning more and more the more you play. And that is really the root of these games is just feeling that overwhelming joy once you overcome and put to use these lessons learned and just make the best of it. And 
There's going to be times where you're probably going to yell at yourself, yell at the game. It's all part of the fun. Um, (laughs) Just go into it with an open mind and just with the idea of like persevere and event and you'll have a great time. I say that is great advice for Elden Ring and also with life. Yeah. (laughs) And remember, don't let the dung eater get you. No. (laughs) When we come back, quick this with Dan Robertson. See you then. Bye. Welcome back. We are once again joined by our guest from last week, Dan Robertson, who is here to talk to us about something. Welcome to your quick this, Dan. Thanks, Alex. For my quick this, I'm going to talk about the extended universe that Percy Jackson inhabits. Namely, I'm going to start your timer. You have five minutes. Go. Go. Namely, I'm going to talk about all the other book series related to Percy Jackson. So, yeah, because you already did Percy Jackson. Once, so that's well, kind of cheating. I, I did the first Percy Jackson book. Okay. So the okay. last book in his uh, uh, first five is called The Last Olympian. And so at the very end of The Last Olympian, a prophecy is uttered. And thus, it is called the Prophecy of Seven. The Prophecy of Seven sets up the heroes of Olympus. Uh, Hera, Zeus's wife, does a little bit of this and that and some mischief and displaces our, our boy Percy Jackson, gives him a, uh, a gram of amnesia and displaces another young demigod who is exhibiting some Zeus-like abilities, but he's just nothing like Zeus. And he's he's a good he's, boy. He wakes up with amnesia and he's on a school field trip to the Grand Canyon with two best friends that he can't remember. And he gets in a fight with some wind and some other stuff happens. And then he goes, oh, wait, my dad's Jupiter, the Roman aspect of Zeus. Oh, and so this is when the plot begins to un- uh, unfold and you find out. There's a whole other sector and camp for Roman demigod children. And this camp is out on the West Coast because the camps were divided because obviously Greek identities can't directly interact with their Roman identities. It's uh, yet another iteration of how the gods have their divine essence split. And that includes... Those those cultures, those aspects. So the heroes of Olympus introduces all these Roman aspects of the gods, some Roman demigod children, and the prophecy of seven raises the stakes even higher than Percy's first initial five books. Um, So it's just really, really amazing. It's when you think it can't go bigger, it goes bigger. So Percy and Co. and all these other new players get to the end of this story. And because the prophecy of seven was involved and our boy Apollo is the god of prophecy, in addition to the god of sun and everything else, Zeus goes, you. And he strips Apollo's godhood from him. Yeets him across time and space. And he's displaced for six months and then finds himself falling out of the sky into none other than Manhattan. And he wakes up in a garbage (laughs) pile and he checks his pockets and he pulls out a license for a learner's permit. And it says, Lester Papadopoulos. And thus begin the trials of Apollo because he knows he's Apollo and everyone else knows this weird zitty looking kid named Lester. And he doesn't have any demigod abilities. He doesn't have he's got nothing. And uh, even after being an immortal being who has lived across millennia, he's got some lessons to learn. And through another five books, Apollo uh, writes some wrongs, uh, both personal and divine slash cosmic faces enemies and monsters easily on par with Percy Jackson. Um, he, he regularly, literally tries to contact Percy to be like, dude, I need your help. You've done all this crazy stuff across 10 other books. Can you please come help me? Um, and Percy's got his own stuff going on, right? So the trials of Apollo, all of those, those three series, five books apiece are all Greek or Roman, uh, related in some fashion. 
Annabeth Chase, a certain character from the original Percy Jackson series, has a cousin. This kid lives up in Boston. And uh, like all other children in uh, stories that need to have some kind of dramatic backstory, he mm-hmm. also does not have uh, parental figures. He had been uh, being raised by his uncle, but uh, some, some stuff fell out. I believe his uncle passes or is in league with um, uh, nefarious folks. And Magnus has been living as a as an unhoused homeless person in Boston. So for at least 2 years, Magnus Chase, Annabeth's cousin, has been surviving on the streets of Boston. He dies and wakes up in Hotel Valhalla. He f- learns about the Nine Realms, he learns about the parent that he never knew he had, a Norse god, and things get much much weirder. And there's also a set of Egyptian books, but my 5 minutes are nearly up. And that's it. That was exactly five minutes. Well done. Wow. Thank you again for coming on. If you guys love Dan, as we all do, you can catch more of him on our sister podcast, Project Icosa. We are uh, about to release episode five, probably by the time this comes out. Anyway, my glass to piss. So if you like uh, what we're doing here and you have a suggestion for us, uh, you can uh, you can fill out our questionnaire. The and it's on our website. You'll find it. You can email us to entertain this podcast gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter. We're entertain underscore this. You can find us on Instagram. We're entertain this podcast. You can find us on Facebook. We're podcast entertain this. And as always, entertain us. We entertain you. And you can entertain piss. Go piss, boy. Ah! This episode of Entertain This was written by Michael Savoya, with additional commentary from Nick Mustakangas and Alex Steele. Our showrunner and resident fact-checker is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening. <laughs>